I expand in abundance, love, and success. And as I let my own light shine, I unconsciously give others permission to do the same. What are we talking about on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast? We're talking about business, specifically your business. Is it growing or are you stuck? How painful is that growth? Is it running you or are you running it? Are you working in your business or on your business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to grow your damn business. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. I am your host, Scott Goodrich, and as always, we've got a special guest for you here today. Today, joined by Jeremiah Bros. Jeremiah is joining us from Denver. He is the founder and CEO of Energy Advantage Roofing and Solar, and as a true visionary entrepreneur, he's out in the field. So we're catching Jeremiah in his car in between appointments. Jeremiah, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Scott. It's a pleasure. Yeah. No, great, great to have you on here. Jeremiah's got a fantastic story. I use the word visionary on here and I were catching up beforehand. It just he he's the guy with the ideas and trying to make things happen and and uh and today out there trying to make things happen in the field. Jeremiah, if you don't mind, I'm gonna go back and kind of start with your first entrepreneurial adventure. You got into a painting franchise early on. Just talk to talk to me about that decision process getting into it. And uh, obviously, I'm sure uh, a couple of lessons learned early on since uh, you know your first foray was right in there, taking on that franchise. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. You know, I was 19 years old. I was at the University of Minnesota and uh, a friend had recommended to me that I be his, uh, what's called job site manager, okay. manage one of his painting crews. And at the time I, I'd worked for, I was a laborer for a masonry company and I was like, well, I make, you know, at the time $7,000 over the summer, which was a lot of money sure. back in 2001. And, uh, and he's like, well, maybe you would like to take a crack at running a franchise. So I, uh, I did, I was hired and, and it was the hardest job I've ever done in my life. And I was prone to hours. I can put in hours. I, I have a strong back. I have a good grip. I can carry stuff and lug stuff around. And I have good balance. Um, but this is a different kind of work. This was returning phone calls late at night, dealing with complex problems, dealing with people, financial stress, a lot of different baggage and fears that came up. After the summer, I told myself, what was I going to do it again? And that was it. But then I was sitting down with an advisor at the end of the summer, figuring out what to do with $28,000. And I said, I'm running a business again. <laughs> do, do, do it again. So staying the course or so just what's the, the mental thought process there that they decide to double down, right? Because there, there's always another choice to go work for somebody else. And, and here you are, you're, you that headspace there. Where, where does that, was that come from? Did you have entrepreneurs in your family? Did you had you had you seen that this was the path? Were you the first one? I always like to know, like, what is the the mindset of that? Um, you know, Gino Wickman, who wrote the book Traction, founded EOS. He's convinced that entrepreneurs are born, not made. It's just that's what it. That's who you are from the get go. Uh, I think others would, would debate him on that, but he is one hundred percent convinced. And who am I to tell him any different? He's a pretty smart guy, right? <laughs> you know. So is that you, right? Is is it really nurture? Is like, you, hey, I just, I mean, excuse me, nature. Like I was just born with this, and this is who I am, and I and I'm I'm going to continue to to drift towards running my own show. Um, no. So so okay. so I think I think of it this way. 
I mean, I was, you know, the first in my family to go to college, the first in my family to do a lot of things, first to run a business, first to do whatever. I think part of it is uh, there was a conscious choice to go back to what now I could perceive as easier, get by easy work, and then what was perceived as harder. But I always had a vision of myself that who I thought I ought to be. And who I thought I ought to be had um, a lot of attention around it, um, uh, a lot of help into general community, helping people. Um, and, it, and it wasn't being in kind of a, you know, average everyday employee, lugging around blocks and racking out walls, stuff like that. Just didn't yeah. fit with the vision of who I thought I was going to be. Yeah. Um, so that was the choice of the hard work. Now, the entrepreneurs, you know, I think every great entrepreneur is also is a great leader, but also a great follower, also a forever student. So I think when you get kicked down the hill and you pick yourself back up and you understand some humility, you're also then a forever student, a great follower. And when the call is to be back in, sometimes you can be a great leader too. And I think that opportunity is in all of us. We we talk quite a bit about that learning journey and, and, and how if you're going to you're going to run run a company and when we're talking to to potential clients whatever and say well you know, i'm not going to read that i'm not going to do that like you're just if you're not doing that and, and kind of nourishing that side of you uh you're going to have a tough time with with a sustained success every uh, successful entrepreneur that, that i get a chance to talk to yes i've read that book oh here's another book let's recommend this have you grabbed this podcast have you watched this youtube video right, there, there, there's always that thirst for a little something more uh because you never know what's going to be thrown at you and and there's there's answers out there right? You just got to find those that resonate and find them that's there. What was the, what was the kick in the teeth moment for you early on? Was there one that uh, kind of stands out from when you're doing that first venture and, and really getting into it? You know, um, for me, so, so early on, I would say it was acquiring just a new bag of skills. I never really knew I was a people person until I was put in the face of adversity to deal with people. Yeah. Now I've recruited, hired, and trained over a thousand sales reps. I've managed multiple managers. I've helped a lot of small business owners uh, get to the next level. And I, I can identify as a people person, right? I think I have a very high EQ. At the time, EQ wasn't even a thing. Back it wasn't a thing. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't a thing. <laughs> right. Right. And it's funny, all of a sudden, like I had to measure myself on IQ. And if you were to ask my parents and Maybe some of my teachers at a young age be like, you know, I, I think he tries hard, he works hard, but it's not innately smart. And then EQ started to pick up and I'm like, I'm pretty good at this. I can pick up some of that. So, so that first kick in the teeth that brought out probably a better strength in myself was really just dealing and working with people. Yeah. What was what? So pe people is typically where the evils lie within an organization as you're trying to build out. We talk uh, uh, about a couple different things here. Obviously, EOS terminology is right people, right seats. But you know, taking yeah. it beyond that, it's also about making sure that as you're bringing folks on, you, you do delegate out, you do give people a chance to succeed and to shine. You know, t tell me a little bit about those. And I don't know if it was at the painting company or somewhere else where that first hire or two. What was that like? Because this can be a real challenge for entrepreneurs, particularly as they're as they're getting things going, is to to let go and and to, and to let let someone on. So, just walk me through that. So, yeah, you're a people person, like to do that, but at the end of the day, it's still your business, your money, right? Your payroll, you need to make, and, and that can be tough. Yeah, 
I mean, my business partner, I'll tell you, I just cashed out, you know, over a hundred thousand of a personal uh, insurance whole life policy to make payroll. Yeah. Right. A little bit ago. So some of that sure. stuff's tough. It's real. Um, it's real. It is real. The hiring part was always pretty easy because okay. I'm an influential person. I get really excited about possibilities and and vision. Right. We were talking about yeah. that. Right. The firing was the hard part. I remember the first time I had to fire one of my best friends in college and I had to go to his house at 5 a.m. and talk to his parents, 5.30 a.m., wait for him to finally leave, hunt down money, talk to his parents, shake him down. Where's this money? Right. And it's like, I didn't want to do that. I'm like, I didn't sign up to be an IRS agent. I didn't know what collecting AR was. Wow. Yeah. And it severed relationships and it hurt. And it's unfortunate sometimes for money to get in the way of what relationships are. But that's kind of the call that as a business owner, sometimes you just, you have to make. Because I also have employees, I have customers, I have responsibilities that I, I have to kind of toe that line. Yes. So, so how long were you with, how long did you keep the, the franchise? Obviously, it's something that you did during school, learned a lot of uh, great lessons and, and realized yeah. who you are and what, what you're about. How long did you stay with it? And then where did your journey take you from there? Yeah. You know, College Pro Painters was, I was there for nine years, right? Kind of navigated yeah. through the lines, uh, full-time staff as general manager, business manager, and then vice president. Okay. And then in 2008, right, my productivity suffered, dropped in half, and I was let go, and and then I, I bought a floor coverings international franchise. So I bought two franchises, cashed in all my chips. Right, and went went in again, right? But in that home services space, so you've got it. But, what, but that, but it's an interesting thing because some would say, and and you have this conversation, right? A safer. Well, let me just become a W two. I know I can do this. I have a skill set. I can hire. I know people. I can lead. That's not you. You got to have your own thing going there. So once again, competitor, right? That did you consider the W two route? Or was it was always going to be nope. I, I got to go. I'm going to go do it again. No, they actually offered me another president role for opening up Color Pro Window Cleaners in the U.S. Okay, so, same salary, different bonus structure. Yeah, but I, I just, I was 27 at the time, 28, um, and I just felt this calling to put my money where my mouth is. So I cashed in all that I could. I like a quarter million dollars at the time. And after two years, went bankrupt. <laughs> I had... I was <laughs> There's paid. that overnight success story we were talking about again. It always happens just in this great straight vertical growth line, right? The hockey stick growth. Like, uh, no, never, ever has that ever happened. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, wow. I, I thought I was going to revolutionize everything. I thought I was going right. to take away my uh, chair from Home Depot. I was yeah. going to go door. I was going to, you know, just totally kick something that's old and antiquated right in its teeth and spur it up and be the catalyst of change. And um, that's tough. I mean, that's just tough going through. Have you been able to look back on that at all and say, or if I knew then what I, what I know now, what I've applied it differently is, is, yeah, is there anything that one second guess, but you learn and grow. We were talking about a learning journey. Um, Anything, if you went back in time, you you did that maybe wouldn't result in in that outcome. Yeah. So Okay, so two-part question. I don't think I would have wanted anything differently. I've been broke okay. three times in my 30s and built myself back up. Three times, right? Bankruptcy, wow. divorce, loss of business. Good for you to have that resilient nature, right? It, it comes with being a, a visionary and a leader. So good yeah. on you for that. Well, what's interesting is like the 
person that you see today, the man that you see today on a lot of fronts of my life came from the context of struggle yeah. and not getting what I wanted and not getting what I wanted and internalizing and not externalizing behaviors or economic conditions or other people's whatever, but really internalizing like looking in the mirror full frontal and be like, this is what I got. So now what? All right. And that gave me, you know, the resolution. I'm the CEO of the company. We're doing more business than we ever have this year. I just had an appointment stand me up and I go out and I knock the doors in the rain. It's raining right now. I'm knocking right. the doors because I'm bringing in business before I have this call. That's why I'm at a restaurant outside in the parking lot because I'm like, I'm going to go to another deal before my 2.30. Yeah. yeah. So when you come from nothing or you've been broke or you've been what the bottom is, but then you're still breathing and you're still alive. I still have two beautiful daughters that I hug and kiss every opportunity I get. Right. I still have my friends and my family. I still have my my faith, my health. I mean, it's like, dang, money and, and success had no dictation on any of that stuff. Right. And I'm pretty lucky. It's a great po positive outlook on that. And, and uh, obviously, you've, you've built up some some toughness, some some layers there from having gone through that a couple of times and able to approach it. But that's what so it's going to drive you to that next level of, of success is, is having that approach because everything is just a thing, to put it very simply. I'm, re I'm reading a book, uh, Positive Intelligence, um, or P PQ by, um, I think Shrazad is his first name, um, but I'm reading a book and I'm actually going, going to be going through his class here shortly and just talking about don't, not letting those internal voices, those internal sabotaging voices, he calls them saboteurs, right? Get in the way. And I'm just at the very beginning, so I don't want to quote his work, which is uh, really revolutionary stuff. But just the quick shot of it is don't let that stuff get in the way. Think about what you just said. There's with, Listen to the wisdom and the, the experience and, and that advice and not these saboteurs, these things that will judge you for, for what's going on or, or, or give you this subjective feedback. Uh, we all have both the the wisdom, the the sage part of us and those saboteurs and, and got to minimize those saboteurs and deal with them. So it sounds like you've got gotten there. Did you read or learn anything about that? Or is that just through trial and error? I'm not to take us down a mental path, but I mean, it is interesting that, that you've got that, right? I mean, because you've absolutely stuck through it and continue to move forward. Yeah. It's almost like you have no choice. It's almost like when you come yeah. to a point and you have no choice, like you had no choice. I remember my girls were very young, right? When I went through a divorce and, and, and I was small, small time business owner, just starting off a new venture, exiting one venture, starting off a new venture. This is my fifth company, by the way, right? That I started. Yeah. I think we could put, I think we can put you in the serial entrepreneur category, by the way. It's a, it's an app description moving from, from one to the next. Uh, so yeah, you absolutely fit the bill yeah. there. So you get to wear that yeah. label as well. Yeah. Yeah. The only two jobs I've ever been fired from, which I was executives for, were right. for other people, other corporations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, so, so, so the, the choice to persevere, uh, when my girls were very young age, I, I was, again, so happy that I had these two beautiful little things in my life. And um, I had no choice but to make it. But it's interesting you you put it that way because because that's you and that's who you are and that's what you're about i think others would say you had a choice you're you're, you're a smart guy you, you've got a lot of experiences you could have gone to work for somebody else but you didn't see that as a choice and i think that's the difference and i think that's where 
Gino comes from when he talks about that. And, and once again, don't, can't speak for him, but basically he's saying that, that you don't see a choice because that's who you are. Yeah. You see, I'm going to go make this on my own. You can knock me down. I'm going to pick myself back up and move forward. But someone else listening to this or listening to your story may say, well, why don't you just go work for somebody? You could have gotten a paycheck and not have to worry about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's I, not an I, option I, for you. I totally right. could. And yeah. I think that would always be an option for me. But sure. I don't it's know. there, but you won't. That I guess that's where I'm getting at is you're just not going to go back there and do it because you've, you're, you're, you're committed to doing this and, and, and looking for that hit and, and pushing on it. That, that's, uh, if someone would say a couple of times there, you're, you're at number five, right? That's, that's the reality yeah. of it. <laughs> that's, yeah. And out there in the rain as running this company and fi finding that next deal, right? Making sure that yeah. that next deal is out there and that, that the, the work is lined up. So that's, yeah. that's actually who you are. You're not the guy that's going to work for somebody else. That's, you know, that, that's the spot you're in. Yeah. Yeah. You bring up a really good point. Uh, I guess I never, it never even crossed my mind about sure. working for somebody else crossed my mind about making payroll about making you know personal rent or what i mean when 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 we first got divorced like we got an apartment and uh we really didn't know how we we're gonna pay rent in 30 days yeah. <laughs> we didn't even have furniture we didn't we didn't yeah. have boxes. but you know they used to come with me and knock doors and the crazy thing is when my daughter turned 14 my eldest one right she She's like, Dad, I got a job. I'm like, what? How do you get a job? <laughs> You're not old enough. But she's like, Colorado, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, okay. Right. She went and cold called every restaurant on Evans until somebody hired her. Yeah. Yeah. At 14, right? You got to love it, right? I mean, but that's that. it's there. You've set that, that standard. And obviously, their kids are observant. They're going to see what's going on there and, uh, yeah. and watch and learn from it. Wow. Good, good stuff. All right, so let's get to where we are today, and I appreciate your your sharing that. I didn't know we were going to go there, but I appreciate you sharing that and, and sharing it, that that you've gone through that. So let's just talk about what you're doing with Energy Advantage now. Yeah. Uh, your fifth venture, as you said, been around for six years now. Do I have that timing right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So six, six years of business still out there. Just tell me what was the the beginning of that? You, you mentioned that you have a partner as well. So kind of where was the thought process? Just let's talk about the formation of it. All right. Uh, obviously, solar big opportunity out there. You know, what were the things going through your mind as you decided this was the next way I was going to go? Still in that home services space, but now I'm going down this path. Right, right. Thank you. Yeah. So Energy, Energy Advantage was created to sell solar components to roofing contractors. So I saw how much money was being circulated in storm restoration work. And it, se it seemed kind of parasitic or counterintuitive because every time hail drops on a house, we put the same stuff back on it. We put, <laughs> we fill right. our landfills with asphalt shingles. Six percent of all landfills nationwide are asphalt shingles. We're waiting for it to uh, happen again, and we're not utilizing any money to make any sort of change. So the thought of Energy Advantage was to segue some of that money into the renewable energy sector. Yeah. Okay. Take some of that money, put some solar on the house create more energy efficiency, right? Button up the house. And you know how many roofers bought my program? I, I have no idea. So I will turn to you for that one. Zero. Not a single one. Not a single <laughs> uh, one. It's like, why would we cover shingles? <laughs> right. Because you know why? That's our recurring revenue. We look for that next storm and the next chance to go back out there and, and do that work and hit up the insurance company, right? I mean, that's, that's, the, that's, that's a strategy, right? So I just went back door to door, started yeah. knocking. And sold 1.2 that full myself. 
you know, delivered customer service, produced it, et cetera. And then we slowly built up the company from there. Yeah. And then we started to install some of our own solars in probably during COVID where we had a decent backlog and uh, sales started to slow down. And I'm like, either I got to fire some of our full-time staff or our salaries, or I got to transition people into installing our own solar. Okay. And that started in 2020. That's when we started installing our own solar. And then I realized that really, you know, to get to where we want to go, I'm probably the bottleneck. It's probably me. Interesting. Yeah. I brought in, you know, uh, brought in a great partner who just had a lot more experience than I did. And then we grew, you know, I topped out at like 3 million. And then we grew last year was 10 million, 7 million produce. And right now we just crossed 11 million, right? And on our way to 17. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's all because of bringing in a partner, building out systems, following the EOS model, right? What we talked about earlier. Yeah, we talked a little bit about that. Yeah. So interesting that you described yourself as the bottleneck. Was there one thing that, um, so was it was it a self discovery? Did, did you did you have a, have a did you have a coach or someone that was giving you some advice from the outside? Yeah, how, how do you? Because that's a tough thing to to admit, and and obviously if you can have that vulnerability and that and that openness and be willing to change, it's um, it's game changing for your for your business. And sounds like it's allowed for some for some growth. Well, you know, I have employees, and I have people who also have kids. Yeah. I'm a I'm a father who has kids and I love my kids and I have employees who have kids and I looked at it and I go, they deserve better. They deserve better. They deserve someone who's a better manager, who's more organized. I'm a great visionary. I'm a great salesperson. I can I can lead the charge. Um, yeah. but it's time to it's time to pass it off to somebody who can lead better. And that was the choice. Interesting. And and that and came there yourself, right? Because you described yourself as a you know, people, person, you could you could get along with folks, and so you, you have that skill set. But it sounds like it wasn't going to be enough to yeah. to allow you to really get where you want to get to. Is that is that a fair representation of it? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So so you bring your partner in as your compliment. So what you know, we we talked be, before we started recording that. In this case, you you found that that integrator partner, that person was going to execute and and be the driving force in the business. So you could go out there and lead the vision, lead the lead the organization, drive that culture and, you know, be the face of the organization, which is that visionary role that, that we talk about. And that's 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 your that's your sweet spot, right? That that's your natural that's your natural yeah. spot. Yeah. I mean I mean, you know roofing, right? But imagine one day no more shingles. Imagine one day uh no more homeowners insurance needed for the roof. Right, they pay companies like me a residual to come out and put on stone coated steel over the shingles with solar on top, producing their own energy. We're taking care of anything that hits under three inch hail, replacing the roofing substrate ourselves, recycling the metal, right? That got yeah. impact, putting new stuff on, and saving everybody money, time, resources, and the environment. I need to focus on well. Yeah. And which is, I mean, and love the way that you're you're crafting that vision and understanding that that niche. I, one thing we do like to talk to visionaries about it along the way is that you're in this space now. I'm sure it's tempting. You've got clients, and they ask you to do something else, maybe something you're familiar with, given your your long background in in home services. Have you ever been tempted to expand beyond this niche that you've really carved for yourself? Because it, it can be dangerous, but it is it can be tempting when someone's saying, "Oh, I'll give you money for this service." Uh, any of that time? So 
on the customer side, I don't want to go inside the house anymore. Okay. I used to own flooring companies. I used to be a partner at a bathroom remodeling company. I kitchen models. I don't know. I don't want to go inside the house. <laughs> yeah, I'm staying outside. <laughs> I'm staying outside. It seems like that's good. That's, that's cool. I like the way you described that though, right? It does help you really. I'm not going to do that, right? I know that's not for me. I've been there and I'm not going back to it. I mean, that's that's a great way to start to really get get niched out. And and uh, getting niched out is so critical to getting getting your arms around your business that if you try to be everything to everybody, it ain't going to work. Bottom line, it's not going to work. So yeah. yeah. I flirted sometimes with the idea of coaching and mentoring. And helping other newer business owners, smaller business owners, right, as some form of advisory. But I prefer, instead of money, I prefer the currency of accountability. So, Jeremiah, we were, we were talking a little bit, and you, you made that bold choice to take yourself sort of out of that spot and realize that you were the, the bottleneck and, and you weren't doing right by your employees from, from your side of things. Let's just talk a little bit more about that, because that's that's a bold choice. It's a mature choice. It's not an easy choice. So just kind of walk me through that a little, a little bit more detail about making that choice and bringing in your partner. Well, thank you. So the, the beautiful part I think about having a team is when you have that love and that motivation to fight for them over your own needs and desires. And, you know, like I said, they're not just, you know, single something, people living on the couch. They have homes, families. They have people who rely on them. And, and that love for my team and for my people is like, there's a better someone out there that can lead this vision, lead where we're going to go. And then as a cohesive team, that's how we're all going to get to the promised land, not by me alone. Yeah. And, and you had mentioned tremendous growth happening as, as a result of that. So kind of walk, walk us through what has been some of the real, real big wins along the way since you made that choice and really defined your role as visionary and your partner's role as that integrator piece, that complementary piece for you. And and uh, it's described very well. We'll put in a little plug here in the book, Rocket Fuel, which is sort of the second in the traction series. So Gino lays out EOS and, and the system in traction, but then Rocket Fuel talks about that critical relationship between the visionary, Jeremiah, and, and his partner, who is the, the person that's at the integrator seat. This is the, the get stuff done person, right? So when did you bring that person on? Let's just, talk, I, I don't know their name, so I apologize, but let's talk about that. You know, what was, what's that been like? And what were the things that immediately started happening that was different than what's happening before? Yeah. So my partner, so my partner, Takuya, one of the first things that happened was I gave him all financial control, which some entrepreneurs would be like crazy. <laughs> so he had my bank accounts, all of my assets, right? I later made him executor over my personal life insurance policies, like full wow. control. And one of the first it is you get no salary, Jeremiah. We're not spending money on your overhead. You get out there and sell. And then he gave me the room to get out there and sell, right? And then I had share sold over 3 million. Right. I'm on my way to five million personally selling this year. And he's sell and lead by example. By bringing him on, not only was there a better manager and better place of security, but it also opened up an avenue for me to get out there and probably put some of my own innate talents and abilities in a better lane that was better for yeah. the business. I mean, you're freeing up that space dramatically in this case, but freeing up that space, all this stuff that you were doing. But that wasn't really what your yeah. your ability is, right? So 
delegate and elevate, right? This is a, a theme we talk about over and over again on, on the show, but really you found it, right? It's like, I got to get this stuff off my plate and to the extreme, took it all off your plate so that you could really, really narrow down into the thing they could. Now you're sitting in that sales seat and, and have the other sales folks reporting to you, or are you an individual contributor on that sales side to even go to that length? I mean, I'll still hold the L10 meetings every Monday. They'll do some sales supervisor follow-up on their contracts and help them in the field. And then I also conduct training. Okay. So, so I'm still also holding a little bit of that sales manager role, but primarily getting out there and selling and then having having them watch me, me watch them, field coaching. So for a big part of my life, I was also you know a field coach where I would sit with new salespeople and customers and written feedback and coach sales systems. So uh, I think that's really important. Yeah. All right. So you, you found your way, right? You're you're in your spot. You're in that sweet spot. So where, where does this go? Do you stay in the field going forward? Do you, do you see that? Or do you, do you see a migration back to where you're in that full-time, that visionary seat and, and, and setting the path there? What, what, what are you thinking as you look to the next six, 12 months uh, for the organization? Yeah. No, I think there's going to be a better salesperson than me. Yep. Right? I think there'll be definitely a better sales manager and probably a better trainer than me. And so I'm on the now for finding that person, that man or woman, coaching them right into the role of where they're happy and they're proficient and the and the business becomes a better business. Yeah. Right? Uh, that, you know, I, I we, you and I talked to before we got started and I'll, I'll throw a book out there. I, I'd love to make some recommendations, but uh, the the 10x is easier than 2x book. Uh, it's by Dan Selvin and Ben Hardy. Um, I have a copy for you, so I'll make sure I get you a copy as well. Great book. They were kind enough to share some copies with me, and I and I like like to to share them with folks that I think would you know really really derive some value from it. But it's about continuing to up level your work and unloading work to to others that that can do it, and letting you think about those things, and really it, it allows the company to explode. And don't think incrementally think big and bold. Uh, you're a bold thinker anyway, but this just get, puts it in some some context. So I'll be happy to, to share with those one of you, those with you as well, because I think a lot from it. Good stuff. All right. And so where's the company going next? So we talked to you about you individually. Where, where are you guys going to go? You, you got a niche. You're in that spot. You know, what does what 24 look like? What does 25 look like? How are you guys planning out the next couple of years? Right. So, I mean, right now, energy advantage, we turn your storm damage into an energy advantage. Yeah. So what's cool, the, the idea of the company and the premise of the company that started six, seven years ago, right, is now just taking yeah. root. Every hail claim we're going through, we're able to opt offer stone-coated steel upgrades where they put steel over the shingles instead of tearing off and filling the landfills. No more hail claims. We put solar on top of that. And then the rollout is our maintenance program. So starting... Towards the end of this year and early next year, we'll have trucks that roll out to our solar jobs, check them, do an 18-point inspection checklist, make sure the critter guard's good, make sure the power production's good, make sure the panel's good, the roofing substrate's good. And I think that is a value to insurance companies. You know, in Colorado, probably similar to what was in Texas, we're going to see deductibles go from $500, 1000 $2,000 to probably 1%, 2%, maybe 3% of home value. We're talking about $18,000 deductibles. Yeah. And that everyone was like, why even have insurance yeah, on really? the roof? Spiked cost of electricity and insurance companies spike costs of deductibles in a hail-driven state that's just going to keep dumping hail. What if the solution was we removed some of that burden from the insurance companies and we took it on ourselves through a maintenance program? 
And I think that's a viable route that really can help community, right? We roll out a truck, do our inspections, turn it into the homeowner, maybe the insurance company, right? We can clean the modules, clean the gutters, clean their windows. We can offer a service that isn't indicative of a product because what COVID taught us was that we can run out of product. Yeah. Yeah. So having that, that ancillary revenue stream, but it's right there with, with the business. So, and, it, and it's got a good alignment to it as well. Right. So it is not this, uh, you know, that bright, shiny object out there separate from there. And as you said, staying outside the home, right. <laughs> not going back in the home. Right. So staying outside the home. All right. Let me ask you this. How many contractors ensure that their product lasts? Like, you know, if you put a roof on, how many contractors go visit it and ensure it doesn't leak for 25 yeah, years? It's, it's, it's typically going to be set and forget, right? I mean, that's the that's been the model to this point in time until it has to till something does happen. You got to go back and do it, but it's homeowner driven, right? It's it's driven by that. Let's change it. What if you get a roof and solar done by us? We check on it. You have a maintenance program every year, and it still works. Twenty five years later, it's still leak proof. It's still producing energy. It's still working. Yeah, love it. That love it. Love it. Jeremiah, it's been great. Uh, for those listening along, we had a little uh, tech hiccup there, but we got through it. So uh, the, uh, Jeremiah's happy to, to stick with us. As, as we mentioned, he's out there making it happen for his for his company, sitting in that sales seat, sitting, sitting in that leadership seat and, and trying to drive the business forward. Uh, Jeremiah, thank you so much for your time today. Before we let you go, we always ask our guests uh, five fast questions. We want to get to know you a little bit better, give you a chance to show your personality off uh, beyond just answering my silly questions. So uh, first and foremost, Jeremiah, what is your favorite sports team? Favorites? Or athlete, if you're like... Uh... Favorite sports team or athlete? I mean, athlete, I'd have to say Peyton Manning. When I think about leadership and the love for the team and holding expectations and and what you want out of your team, but then giving love, I'd definitely have to say Peyton Manning. Awesome. What would you eat if it was your last meal? Chinese partner. My goal is someday that I have no cell phone, you can't get a hold of me, and I'm at one of five favorite Chinese restaurants. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you have a dream vacation spot that you've either been to or that you'd like to go to? What's a dream vacation spot? When my girls graduate high school, I'd like to travel the world with them. I'd like to sell my stuff, disassociate myself from here, do business abroad, take my girls maybe around the world before they grow up fully and leave and, and I don't get to see them again and experience the world. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Do you have a, a rewatchable uh, movie or a TV show that, you, that you're streaming that you're loving, just uh, something that you do to in, in the downtime? I know there's not much leading to, leading to business, but anything that you can do to step away? You know, I'm kind of a nerd where I like all the Marvel stuff and and one of my favorite is Ready Player One. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. And so last thing we'd like to ask is, is just for those listening, uh, is there a favorite quote or piece of advice that you have come back to time and again that's sort of always stuck in your brain and, and something that uh, you get, serves as an anchor for you? Yeah. I expand in abundance, love, and success. And as I let my own light shine, I unconsciously give others permission to do the same. That's awesome. That's awesome. Love it. Love it. And thank you very much for this time. I, I really do appreciate it. I really enjoyed the, the conversation and uh, just wish you nothing but success moving forward and, and appreciate the persistence and resiliency that you, you've demonstrated through your career. And uh, this this sounds like you're moving down the road where you got a nice hit here, nice revenue. So keep on getting after it, man. Thank you so much, Scott. It was a pleasure.
Appreciate it. Jeremiah, where can people find you? Where can they check you out? And we didn't actually talk about, but where actually are you operating so folks in, in uh, the state where you're licensed can, can take advantage of your services? Yeah, Colorado, Arizona, Texas, Minnesota. Fantastic. Once again, thank you very much for your time. Jeremiah, thanks for coming on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. Hope you had as much fun as I did. Appreciate that. And uh, we will stay in touch. Talk to you soon. And I owe you a book. It'll, I'll get one over to you. Love it. Thank you so much, Scott. Thanks, bud. Thanks. The Grow Your Damn Business podcast is hosted by Scott Goodrich, a professional EOS implementer. To learn more about EOS and how it might help grow your damn business, you can email Scott at scott.goodrich at eosworldwide.com or check out his website at www.eosworldwide.com forward slash Scott hyphen Goodrich. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast.